Welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Our guest in this episode is Jason Gray, Director of Utilities at Virginia Public Power Utility, Danville Utilities. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Paul. Sure thing. So, um, Jason, to get our conversation started, I want to know if you could describe Danville Utilities for listeners who may not be familiar with the utility, and also could you describe your role as Director of Utilities? Sure. Um, so Danville Utilities is just a department for the city of Danville, Virginia's local government. Um, we're just a department within the city government. So f- for those of you who don't know where Danville is, Danville is uh, on the Virginia-North Carolina border, about an hour and a half from Raleigh, 45 minutes from Greensboro, North Carolina. So we're closer to some of the North Carolina cities than some of the Virginia. We're about two hours uh, from Roanoke and about two and a half hours from Richmond. But uh, uh, Danville Utilities is a, a multi-utility uh, department. We have one of the few utilities that that encompass five utilities. So we, of course, we do electric, water, wastewater, natural gas, and telecommunications. So there's not too many of us uh, in the country that do all five, but we're the only one in Virginia that that does all five services. We've Started service in 1875 with uh, gas service, not natural gas, but gas service. And our first electric customer was in 1886, uh, mainly in our downtown area and in some of our street lights. But, uh, you know, we, we started serving a lot of our electric customers in our downtown area. We had some uh, gas generation and we had some hydro generation at the very beginning. Great. And could you kind of maybe go into more details in terms of you know, kind of your day-to-day responsibilities? Sure. Uh, so my day, I'm, I'm more or less the general manager. We have a division director over each of those five utilities. So uh, I may get involved in any number of issues or topics with those five utilities. I may be in a water project uh, in the morning or, or in a natural gas project that afternoon. So I, I kind of move between uh, utility funds as as needed, um, have a little bit of knowledge or more uh, in certain areas, but um, it's very, very fluid for me as far as, uh, you know, challenging and fun at, at the same time, but I get to move between all five utilities and uh, and and be heavily involved in all of them. Um, but, uh, you know, we have uh, more uh, more people that are more directly responsible for the day-to-day operations as, as far as uh, outages and uh, schedule of crews and that thing. Great. Um, so in preparing for this interview, um, and, I, and I've been following Danby Utilities in terms of our newsletter coverage, and you know, I think it's safe to say that, that you and the utility have been very busy these days in terms of various types of projects um, that are underway or being planned. And so I wanted to, in that context, uh, start off with a question for you about battery uh, energy storage system. As you know, state and local officials uh, in October gathered to hold a ribbon cutting um, for a new storage system, which was recently energized. Could you describe that project and detail how customers of the utility are going to benefit from it? So our goal here is to keep rates at least stable and and try not to have you know annual increases due to various inflationary or other reasons uh cost increases uh, that affect our customers so we're doing everything we can to keep costs as low as possible and uh, we we transmission area that has a higher cost uh transmission rate 
So one way to keep transmission costs lower is to uh, offer peak demand or peak reduction programs. And one way we can do that is by implementing this battery storage project. It's a 10.6 megawatt, two-hour battery that can discharge, you know, of course, over that two hours. But it helps lower our our peak uh, for that period. So our transmission rates are based on the highest peak hour of the year, regardless if it's during the winter or the summer. And that dictates what our rates will be for the next year. So we want to be able to keep that number as low as possible um, to, to help keep costs as low as possible. Uh, we also do other things. We have solar projects. We have dispatchable hydro. We have diesel generators. We send out Facebook messages and press releases to get customers to do their piece as far as if they can curtail any kind of air conditioning usage in the summer or heating in the winter or delay any kind of um, energy usage, whether it's washing clothes or dishwashers, that kind of thing, until after the peak periods, just to keep that number as low as possible. But the battery storage project will be a new tool in the tool bag as far as going through 2023, because it's brand new. It just came online last month. We're looking forward to having it for next year. And um, just in terms of the the backstory on the system, when what was it, what's the rough chronology in terms of when you guys first started to think about this project? Uh, the project, it, it, it was originally in conception probably 2019 before the pandemic. Uh, we we moved forward with uh, Delorean Power is the is the developer, so they're they're out of uh, Alexandria, Virginia, Arlington, Virginia area. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we moved forward with them, um, and uh, certain COVID related circumstances delayed the project a little bit. Um, some of the the containers, most of the materials came from China, so the containers themselves. Uh, without the batteries in them, came from China, and then due to COVID shutdowns, were delayed because of uh, port port shutdowns. If if there was COVID cases in China, then the whole port was shut down in China. So that delayed getting materials to to the United States, and then the batteries were shipped separately later on. So there was also delays in getting the batteries in, and then there was additional hazardous materials checks and normal things that you have to go through when you're delivering lithium batteries into the country. But it just took a lot longer than than expected. But we got to the finish line, and we'll have the project online. And but it's it's probably going to be a, it, it's it's about a year later, but under, understandable because of all the COVID related. Uh, unforeseen circumstances. And and I noticed in, in terms of recent local uh, news coverage involving you and the utility, you had discussed um, plans for the utility to build a new substation and to upgrade another substation. Can you offer any additional details on those? We, we are going through a, a massive renovation as far as our substation uh, infrastructure. We, we over the past uh, six years, we've rebuilt four substations. We have two under construction now, so we're you know th- these are upgrades, pretty much total rebuilds as far as replacing transformers and uh, transmission breakers and distribution breakers and relays and um, d- various monitoring equipment and PTs and that kind of thing to to get them up to you know newer equipment to be able to serve our customers more reliably. Um, you know, some of our substations were in the 60s and 70s, aggressively upgrading those and and, and getting newer technology to 
better serve our customers. Like I said, we got two under construction currently. We have uh, three gearing to go out to bid. These are parts of three substations. We have a new delivery point coming online and with our, our transmission provider. Plus, we have two new substations coming online in the next two years because of economic development reasons. We have a new casino coming to the city. Plus, we have a, a new Department of Defense training facility that uh, re- require a large amount of power to to, to serve. Yeah, I had to be probably journalistic malpractice if I didn't ask a follow-up <laughs> question here, which would be, you know, the the ongoing supply chain issues in, in the context of, of these projects. Any issues that you guys are seeing related to that? Oh, on the substation side, yeah. lead times are a little bit longer, but manageable, I would okay. say. You know, typically breakers, we could get anywhere from 15 to 20 weeks now to 30 to 40 weeks. Transformers, uh, typically we've seen anywhere from 40 to 60 weeks before we saw, you know, 30 to 40 weeks, but it's manageable. We can work around those, those additional schedule uh, delays, but... Some of the cost increases uh, with materials uh, going up are are significant, but we can, um, you know, we have to budget for that and work through that as well. So just wanted to switch gears here in terms of topics and focus on renewable energy. So, you know, as you know, the Danville City Council over the summer voted to approve and authorize um, the city manager to enter into a 15-year purchase power agreement with American Municipal Power related to renewable energy. And then more recently, there was similar action uh, involving a wind energy deal with American Municipal Power. The The question occurred to me uh, that I'm sure our listeners would love to know more about is, is Danville's relationship with American Municipal Power and then also whether the city's looking to add additional renewable energy supplies uh, going forward. Uh, we've been a, a, a long-standing member of American Municipal Power, so uh, AMP for short. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Municipal Power is uh, a joint action agency located in Ohio, but serves uh, you know nine states. They uh, they have over 130 members. Uh, we we are involved in um, the majority of their 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 uh, generation projects. This 15 year purchase power agreement is for a solar project uh, that hasn't been built yet, but uh, is in the PJM queue to is, is far along in the PJM queue to be built. So it's a larger solar project that will come online in 2025. So the the wind project, the three-year agreement for the wind project is kind of a bridge to get us to the to the solar. So it'll allow us to supply that additional energy that we need while the solar is being built and, and comes online in 2025. So uh certainly we're looking for more renewables. As we have opportunities, as we have growth, uh, so as other generation assets are retired and we have to replace that power supply, yes, we will be looking to replace it with uh, something that's renewable or zero emissions instead of something that that is uh, likely fossil fuel or or has a carbon emission. So we will certainly be looking at it as a plus to purchase more renewable energy moving forward. Well, Jason, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with us. Uh, it's been a great conversation, um, and I'd love to extend to you an open invitation to return as a guest uh, some point in the future, uh, perhaps first part of 2023. We can revisit some of these topics and, and talk about other topics if you'd like. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. Sure thing.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now. Be sure to check out past episodes and learn more at publicpower.org slash podcast. Public Power Now comes to you from the American Public Power Association. I'm Pal Shimpoli, and we'll be back soon with more from the world of public power. <music>